Hey everyone, it's Maddie here with Justin. Um, we've been playing Control recently, and there's like a lot to talk about with this game. It's kind of crazy. Um, and I know I don't have a good way to explain what this game is about, so Justin seems to have a better grasp on it than me. So um, Justin, if you want to give us like a top level overview of what this game is about, even. Sure. Um, so my my quick stab at it uh without going to too many um spoilers or anything is um you play as a woman named jesse faden who um was separated from her brother when a strange paranormal event happened um in their town when they were young um she's been looking for her brother ever since and her search has taken her to a place in new york city called the federal bureau of control um, she heads to their headquarters, which is a building known as the Oldest House. Um, the Oldest House is a building that you cannot find unless you are explicitly looking for it. Um, people on the street just walk by without even noticing it. Um, when she gets there, um, she finds the director of the Federal Bureau of Control um, has died. And she picks up his weapon and as such becomes the new director. So she travels into um, this, this facility, um, taking on responsibilities of the new director, searching for her brother, and helping to deal with um, a strange um, malicious entity from another dimension known as the Hiss that has taken over and caused the building to go into lockdown. Um, so that's where the player comes in. And, you know, Jesse is clearly somebody who does not know much about what's going on um, in this area. And you are kind of learning um, a, about the, what this bureau does um, and what things they have found um, in the course of their studies and investigations along with her as you move through it. Um, as you go through it, you gain um, some supernatural abilities. Um, and uncover some really, really cool um, paranatural events. So I think that's the quickest way to go over what this game is. Yeah, it's like a hard one to unpack quickly because there's just like so much going on. Um, and also so much of it is like really cool moments that you learn as you go through while playing. So it's like I don't want to spoil um, any of those for um, people that might be listening to this just for our take on the review um so i hope that can give you kind of a basic um basic overview picture in your mind about you know what the setting is yeah and the thing i love about it is like a lot of this stuff is just background so like it you like calling it a spoiler i think a lot of people would be like mm, that's not a spoiler but like it's just the way the background stuff interweaves to make this like this tone and this world that feels just like so cohesive and weird and interesting is really really good yeah so like one of the things that stood out about me with this game is like the lore entries and little documents that you find the audio and video recordings i wanted to read them all <laughs> like it's not like what like with the dragon age games i would read like a couple that seemed interesting but then you know would ignore them <laughs> most of the time and like that's a series i love but in control i got excited every time i found a random document um this is the type of game that really kind of benefits from 
you just kind of throwing yourself into this world and wanting to learn as much as you can about it. I think if you just kind of blaze through the main story without um, doing a lot of the side stuff or looking at um, a lot of the documents, you will kind of miss out on what made this such a special experience to me. Yeah, and I think collectibles writing is like so easy to get wrong. You can get there are so many games that like I pick up one collectible, I read it, and I'm like, I'm not reading all this shit. Like, it's just kind of throwaway, like not not world building, but like it's it's trying to be world building, but it just feels like fluff because like you need something to collect. But like here, it feels so core to the experience. Like every room you walk in, you'll pick something up, you'll read a document, and it's like, oh, that's what this room is. That's like its function in the bigger picture of. Uh, the FBC um, so like you get this very vivid picture of like how this place functions on a day to day basis and like the tone of it is super like bureaucratic stuffy memos uh, which I love yeah and like uh, almost everyone has like parts of it redacted yes. <laughs> but also as you read others you kind of can start to like piece together what the redacted things are and and stuff so you kind of gain the ability to read behind these blacked out sections even though it's not like an explicit ability but like as you make connections between the things um and one other thing that i think is really cool about a lot of the side um lore stuff is that if you're doing the side um, stuff and you're really exploring this area, a lot of it does come into play. Usually a lot of these side lore entries are things that will never be actually explored. Um, and it feels very complete and tied into uh, the world that is currently that currently exists within the oldest house, which is really awesome. Yeah, I was really surprised at like how substantial the, um, the side content feels. Um, with like a couple exceptions, which I'll get to. Um, but like it all feels very handcrafted and like with a purpose um and even if it's not like a purpose in the main quest it feels like it's explaining something like on the periphery of the main story to you uh in a like a pretty effective way yeah i think i appreciated the main story more because i did the side stuff and you know started kind of crafting my own theories about what those things meant um and also there's side conversations which the game never prompts you about and i was really lucky and glad that i found those because those also reinforce some of the importance of you know the main narrative that i think could easily easily be missed by someone who just tries to mainline it yeah and and like the the writing there is really good too like yeah some of the best writing and performances are in these side conversations yeah and I'm surprised because like the the writing at first can come off kind of corny um, with like because Jesse talks to herself but like not herself um, and those moments don't really land at first but like as you go on you start realizing what's happening like it becomes it feels like much more organic. One thing I liked about uh, Jesse Jesse's writing is that sometimes she'll have something pop into her head that's just like you know a dumb thought that somebody would have, and this is actually like communicated to the player. Um, <laughs> it was just a nice little bit of characterization I enjoyed. Yeah, I like that moment. Um, probably like halfway through the game, where she's like, "This is fun. I like this. Like this is the first time <laughs> yeah. I felt good at something in years." 
And then there's like one part where she's like, oh, this is kind of pretty. And then she's just like, nope, not pretty when it's revealed like what's going on. Um, I think there's a moment where she where something happens and she goes, oh, fuck this shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's just like, oh, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Quite a bit. Uh, very human reactions. But, um, you know, we talked about some of the side stuff. Uh, let's talk about kind of like the main flow and design of this game for people that might not be familiar with it. Yeah, I don't want to use the word Metroidvania, but that's literally the word they used to describe. The developers have used that phrase. Yeah, I love it. It feels very open in a way that I think could be frustrating. Um, like a lot of Metroid style games, I feel kind of like build brick walls sometimes where it's like i missed something like five hours back don't know what i'm missing and like i cannot get past this brick wall whereas control feels like it kind of kind of just like roadblocks you and it's like you'll get it it like telegraphs like you will get there um so it it doesn't feel so open that it's like daunting um it just feels open in a way that like not restrictive it, it reminds me of, like, the older Resident Evil games in a way. Um, where you're looking for, you know, ways to get around a facility. Um, and, I mean, you do gain uh, various powers and stuff in this game. It's not just collecting keys. Yeah, the pa- the powers are, like, my favorite part of this game, I think. Uh, you get telekinesis. Is that the first one you get? That's the first one you get. That is one of my favorite powers in a game ever. Because yeah. another thing about this game that we haven't even touched on is like how amazing the physics are um there's just like so much visually going on um in terms of physics at any moment yeah this 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 game has some of the craziest destruction that i have ever seen um so like you'll be going through places that are they just look like you know rows of desks and stuff but like individual drawers open and papers fly everywhere, desks shatter as you throw things around and um, as enemies come into the room and especially as you get more and more powers, like you're just causing more and more havoc with each of these um, each of these sequences. Like it really reminds me of like um, an infamous game uh, when you have like all your powers because Jesse becomes very powerful very quickly. In you this use game. the infamous comparison like a couple weeks ago and i was like wow it does really feel like an infamous game which is funny because the one of the thing other things you said that really hit me was that like it feels like a next gen game in a lot of ways um which is weird considering this is one of remedy's lowest budget games i think they said and i remember the conversation around infamous second son was like one of the reviews was like this is the first next gen game people are like what does that even mean i i was one of those people that was like what does that even mean and now i'm like oh this is a next gen game <laughs> yeah like um i mean that also comes with the caveat it doesn't run great on consoles um especially the base consoles um the first patch addressing performance is out and it seems like it has done some things but it hasn't addressed things all that well i played it on ps4 pro which was okay it could drop. It is. I have tried it out with this new patch, and it is quite a bit better on that platform. Um, I haven't been able to try the other ones myself, um, but that's one thing to take note. However, because of just the sheer amount of stuff, like we haven't even talked about the effects work. Um, like the enemies um, that are, you know, part of the hiss, which is you know this main force that you're fighting against. Um, when you take them out, they like 
blow out um like this rainbow colored cloud um like there's explosions everywhere pieces of cement flying everywhere if you go to use your telekinesis and there isn't like a chair or a table or something around you just rip part of the wall out or part of the floor um just the sheer amount of environmental interaction and effects flying everywhere in every encounter is astounding and it really gives the game a very unique visual style um it really channels a lot of what remedy did with quantum break um but just cranked up to 11 yeah and there were a lot of moments where i was like this is what i was hoping quantum break would be um quantum break felt so like restricted and kind of just it had a lot of good ideas but it just could not deliver on a single one of them in an interesting way whereas this is like they took all those ideas and they're like all right we're running with them um and I, I love the, like, the debris when she rips the debris off a wall. And, like, it's not just one big chunk of it. Like, little pebbles come with it. Um, and they just kind of, like, float around it. It's so good. Yeah, and there's, like, hallways that have, like, wood paneling. And if you just use the evade ability, if they're close enough, they just get ripped apart behind you as you dash forward. Um, yeah, I I was dashing everywhere once I realized that. Like, I would be on, like, a walkway with, um, with like, metal... Uh, handrails and I would just be dashing to make them go flying <laughs> yeah and like um, once you get like the ability to levitate and like slam into the ground like when Jesse falls she does like superhero landing and leaves like a crater in the floor and everything oh and we haven't talked about the service weapon which is her gun in this game so it's actually like it looks like it's made out of like rock and it transforms um, so the different forms like fill in different weapon types so the base one just looks like a revolver um and then there's one that's equivalent of like a shotgun one that's like a charge blast um one that's like a rocket launcher um and these you can have two of these equipped at a time you can equip mods to kind of make it work um better and um instead of typical reloads that has an energy system as does your powers so you kind of get into this rhythm between, okay, I'm going to shoot for a while. Then while the gun recharges, I'm going to use my powers. While my powers recharge, I'm going to use my gun. So you're not just relying on one or the other. Um, you really need to be proficient with both and moving between them. And it adds so much variety to some of the combat. Yeah, it feels like it's kind of going for a similar idea to uh, Doom 2016's like combat flow of like between glory kills and using your guns and using your chainsaw and stuff but here it's using your um your abilities and your guns um because they just uh health pickups just shower from enemies yeah yeah like in some of the boss fights um like the extra enemies are big you kind of have to plan when to fight them and when to get close and stuff so you can heal um they're kind of more fodder for you to be able to survive than they are obstacles um it's like especially once you it's it feels a little awkward before you get the evade ability <laughs> i will say um because there's no good way to take cover <laughs> or anything and you're just kind of just running around but once you get the evade ability like combat really starts to click um and it's a very aggressive fun play style <laughs> yeah evade feels like they should have given you that earlier because it completely changes the the flow and the dynamic um it makes it so much easier to be aggressive and like bounce around the arena yeah and then eventually like you can start possessing enemies 
and then they'll fight for you. Um, so you can have NPCs fighting each other while you fly over, pick up a forklift, chuck it across the room as it breaks through a bunch of things and then just explodes, shattering a bunch of things behind it. Like the combat is just so like visually stimulating and very satisfying. Yeah, it's so good, man. I kind of just want to like sit down and run some combat scenarios right now. Let's kind of talk about the art design and the oldest house itself, because I think like it's almost like the oldest house isn't like the most important character in the story to me. (laughs) Yeah. From like the first five minutes of the game, they do such a good job of like setting your expectations for what this building is. Um, There's, this isn't really, it's not a spoiler really. And uh, honestly, I don't know. Did you notice the, the walkway thing? Yeah. Okay. It's not like super obvious, but it's obvious enough that it's like, oh, okay. Um, so in the first few moments of the game, you walk into the FBC lobby. You go up a staircase on your right, walk past um, three uh, portraits. One is of the director, um, Trench. Um, the one in the middle is of a janitor with his back to the person painting him and it says like the fbc at work and then the one on the left is um i think it's darling right yeah um and then you go out the left you go down this long hallway meet the janitor um take a right come back out and you come back out on the left side where you entered which is you know physically impossible but like it sets this tone of like i do not trust this place and you're always like looking for it to be like messing with you and it will um that's kind of the cool thing um it doesn't so much mess much mess with you with like traversal and stuff which is what i thought they were going to do when they said they were doing it metroidvania style um but it really does like if you're just paying attention there's little details that constantly shift um throughout the game based off of what's going on um and like this whole thing is like based off of like brutalist architecture there's a lot of cubes anywhere everywhere a lot of concrete and then, um, like, modern technology doesn't work quite right. So, like, the newest technology you see in this place is, like, CRT TVs. Everything else is from, like, the 60s and 70s. Um, yeah, at first I thought it was taking place in the 60s because I was finding a lot of notes about, like, things that happened in, like, 68, 69, 70. Uh, and then I picked one up and it was, like, 2019, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, like, it kind of has this... Well, it looks like a normal office in some areas, but, like, some of these most normal-looking areas end up being some of the creepiest um, because they just... They feel just off enough that you're like, okay, there is something wrong here. (laughs) Um, Like, I found the atmosphere in this game to actually be creepier (laughs) um, than a lot of survival horror games (laughs) in some ways. Um, because it was so unpredictable, um, and a lot of it was based off of, you know, mundane, this thing's in the wrong place, uh, this doesn't look the way it should, um, like, there's no jump scares or anything throughout the game, but you're, like, constantly have a sense of unease because of this building. Yeah, it feels like the building's, like, living around you, um, and there's another thing, another detail, like, really early in the game, um, I think it's like first 10 minutes. J- Jesse becomes director in like the first 10 minutes, right? Yeah, it's like, like that. you walk down a couple hallways and that happens. Yeah, like 
once you be once Jesse becomes director, all the portraits of Trench um, become portraits of Jesse. A portrait that she never sat down for to like to be painted. Um, the building just kind of like adapts. Yeah, she's wearing like a suit and has her hair up and stuff in this picture. When she's just wearing the clothes that she, you know, jeans and a jacket that she walked in off the street wearing. Yeah, it's really, it. it's just interesting. The building feels like it, like it's reacting to you and like not necessarily pushing back because the building's kind of like facilitating the FBC. Um, but like, it just feels like at any moment it could turn on you. Yeah, like e- even, you know, the various kind of entities that you encounter that are seemingly helping you, you do not trust them <laughs> uh, throughout the game. I don't want to get too much into that because that's kind of a fun element of the game that I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, should we get into some spoiler talk? Because I know that's the thing that we both really wanted to talk about. <laughs> yeah, so we want to talk about some of that. Um, let's just kind of give like a final kind of review summation um, before that. So... If you're just listening for our opinions on the game and if we recommend it. Um, I love this game. Like I I haven't liked a remedy game since Alan Wake, which I mean there's only been like two, uh American Nightmare and Quantum Break. Um, but this like gave, gave me the same feeling that Alan Wake did in that like just it's like weird and unique and like it's very confident about its weirdness though. It's not like it's not like trying to like downplay it. It's like, nah, I'm weird. Um, and it just feels good to play. Yeah. I mean, for me, this game felt like Remedy was just like, we're going all in on what makes Remedy, Remedy. Um, like, it seems like there was kind of individual elements of this in their previous games. And it seems like they're just like, you know what? Let's bring it all together and make something that represents us as a studio as best we can. Um, and I loved it. Uh, this is far and away my favorite game so far this year. Um, I highly, highly recommend it. Um, there are some moments that are some of the most memorable that I've had in a game all generation. Um, so if you're listening to this, this absolutely is a highly recommended title from me. Um yeah, I'm with you on Game of the Year. Like, I think this is probably the best game I've played all year. Um, some of the writing is just, like, really exciting in a, like, just a weird, like, it just hits me in that, like, ooh, what's, this is mysterious. This is weird, like, Lynchian way. Um, and I know for some people it just has not hit the same way, um, probably because it's too vague or it's too, like, stylish. I know I saw somebody say style over substance, which I don't totally agree with, but I can see it coming off that way. Yeah, like, if you're not the type of person that this this game and, like, this setting doesn't connect with, like, I can see it kind of going over your head, but, like, if you're the type of person that... Because I know for me, like, I like to just, you know, throw myself into, you know, fictional world and let it convince me that I want to stay there kind of thing. Like, this is a game that feels like you want to be in it um, while you explore. And if you're the type of a person that that kind of experience really resonates with, like, this game nails it in a way that I think few games have ever nailed it. Yeah, for sure. So uh, that kind of ends the review portion of this. So um, if you just wanted our general opinions, um, 
uh, without going too much in depth into spoilers or anything. Um, that's going to be the end of this episode um, for you. Uh, for those that have finished the game or just kind of wanted to hear us talk about, you know, some of our lore theories and things that we found, um, you know, that could be considered spoilers that we kind of wanted to keep um, to let people experience and have this kind of cool moment of discovery um, for themselves. Um, you can keep on listening. Let's just start with the big one that probably most people have heard about by now. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so if anybody saw, um, Remedy put out a content roadmap, um, for the next year of Control, which I didn't expect this to be, like, kind of one of the types of games that gets a roadmap, but it is, and I'm very happy about that. Um, there's an Alan Wake DLC coming, and, uh, it's very explicit about that in the roadmap. Yeah, Um, so, um... Usually when people, like, find stuff that's a reference to another game, and they're just like, OMG, Connected Universe, I usually roll my eyes. This game is very explicit that it takes place in the same universe as Alan Wake. Yeah, it's not like, ooh, cutesy, a thermos. It's like, yo, Alan Wake was a uh, candidate for, um, what's the what's the program? Uh, he was a prime candidate. Yeah, he was a prime candidate to become director. Um, There's interviews with Alan Wake's wife. Uh, There's um, talk about the investigation that the FBC did into the events of Alan Wake. There's a hidden area that actually has a typewriter page written by Alan Wake about the 10 years that have passed since the end of Alan Wake. Like, it is as explicit as it can be. Yeah, like Bright Bright Falls was a precursor to the ordinary um, event that happened, which involved Jesse and Dylan, which like led into this game. Um, Alan was until he disappeared, going to be the next director. Uh, he's a para utilitarian, which I guess we didn't explain, but it's basically just somebody who can use objects of power, um, like all of Jesse's like, the like nuclear Jesse's launch powers codes. are all. <laughs> peri-utilian powers basically yeah like we didn't explain how that works but like there's stuff like there's russian nuclear launch code floppy disk that is what gives her her telekinesis powers and stuff um so like he could use those too so yeah it's it's very cool and like there's a couple oblique references to uh max Payne, um and even sam lake himself (laughs) uh like there's one part where um this is one of the side really cool side conversations where um Jesse is talking to um, to Dylan, uh, her brother, and he's like, yeah, in one universe there's a writer, and he's writing about a police officer and the bad things that happen to this police officer, and behind another door, that police officer is real. <laughs> um, so, like, this game kind of feels like the center of the Remedy universe, basically. <laughs> yeah, and like you said, like, uh, a lot of times when people try to do this they like try to shove stories into other stories and it just does not work um i think the probably most famous example it's not really shoving a story into another story but it's it's kind of the star wars prequel problem of like "Mm, but so-and-so was so-and-so's father i bet you didn't know that and like they changed they had to change their name before the original trilogy like it does not come off that way it it doesn't feel like someone drawing lines after the fact it feels like somebody like pulling the curtain back where there already was 
connections and just being like, uh, it was connected the whole time, but you didn't have the full context of this world uh, until now. And also the nature of this world and these events is vague enough that it's plausible that, oh, these things could be semi-related. They don't have to be directly related. Yeah, and even some of like the some of the visual effects, once the Alan Wake connection was revealed, I was like, yeah, this does kind of like the hiss kind of look like the whatever the the entity like taking people over in Bright Falls was. Uh, some of the way like uh, objects get possessed and objects of power get possessed and like flit around, like just looks like Alan Wake in a way that like I didn't draw the connection at first and i was like oh that's very intentional yeah yeah it's really cool and like because it's all stuff from the same studio with a lot of the same creative people behind it it feels very organic it reminds me kind of of what Shyamalan did um at the end of split uh making it connected to um to unbreakable yeah definitely um so i think we just want to kind of discuss some of the cool little discoveries that we had um even if you're not um, too concerned about story spoilers, um, this is kind of just a fun thing that we did. Um, cool things that we stumbled upon um, throughout the game. They could be big, they could be small, um, but it was just really stuff that we thought were really good examples of the great narrative design and world building. So, um, in the oldest house, there is a power plant called the NSC. Um, and it's only in this one random room that you find out what it means. And honestly, if I was just looking through the wrong way or had, you know, not looked at that right, correct wall or just moved through, I would have missed it. Um, but um, one of the previous director's name was Northmore and he kind of disappeared. He was the one that took over. Um, he was the one that left the service weapon to Trench, who is the former director that Jesse picked it up from. And Northmore is mentioned a lot, but we don't really know who it is. Um, but in this one room, it's, uh, it says NSC, Northmore Sarcophagus uh, Center or Capsule or something like that. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> so, and then there's also like a bunch of thermal imaging on the wall of just a human body inside this power plant just putting out tons of heat. So, and one of the other characters says that the only thing that they knew about the NSC was that it was Northmore's project to keep the lights on. And he is quite literally powering (laughs) the um, oldest house. Oh my god. (laughs) That's so good. (laughs) Oh my god. Um, so that was one of the coolest ones and then there was another one that wasn't actually like a lore entry but it was somebody's scribbles on um just like marker writings on a whiteboard and it was that one was also cool that one was really neat for me because it was a guy that claimed he had clairvoyant powers and there's like other documents where everybody's making fun of him and just thinking he it's bullshit and then he's writing on this one and he, you know, said, I had a dream that there was a black pyramid, which is um, the board, which is very important in the story. And then there was another pyramid that was red facing the other way. And they merged together and made an hourglass that was running out. And when it ran out, the flipped 
and the red took over the black. Like, it's this really ominous um, thing that could be, like, a setup for a sequel or something else. Um, it was really, really neat. Yeah, I think I found that one. That one was really cool. The, the way they, like, usually whiteboards in games, like, specifically whiteboards, are, like, super low-res textures, so you can't really read stuff. You can read, like, almost everything on these whiteboards, and there's, like, such interesting stuff just scribbled from scientists, like, scribbling notes yeah. and stuff. Yeah, it's either um, nothing or just like such low res that it wouldn't matter. <laughs> yeah, they really they really put it to use in this game. It's so cool. Um, yeah, one of my favorite ones. I it's super early in the game. Um, a lot of the times when you find an object of power or like a new ability, there will be like a dossier with it about where it came from or like just its history and its use. Um, so the service weapon, like the first object of power you get, has one. And under background, it says, The object was discovered inside the oldest house in the room that is now used as the director's office. The popular hypothesis redacted many forms throughout history, redacted Mjolnir, Excalibur, Faranustra, all weapons that redacted of the wielders. If the object of power are the conver- uh, if the objects of power are the convergence of forces based on the collective subconscious, then this may be the original manifestation of that event. Um, so like the implication is that the gun you're using through this whole game is like has taken all these forms in history as it's been like passed hand to hand by the the collective subconscious and like the group think of like what the ideal weapon is and now it just happens to take the form of this just like chunky revolver (laughs) yeah although it that that one kind of it bummed me out when we didn't get like Mjolnir and Excalibur forms for it because it is transforming. (laughs) Like, um, but I mean, I guess it makes sense. It's like, Oh, of course it would transform into a rocket launcher and a shotgun and everything. Oh man. Now I just want a melee, like just a big weird, like blocky sword. Oh, that would have been so Um, good. Another one that was really early on. I think it's the very first one. Uh, like when Jesse walks into the building, um, there, and you know, it's just an empty, like, uh, secretary's desk and entranceway. And then you go through like a security check, which seems pretty standard for a government building. Um, and you find a piece of paper that has, you know, what's not allowed, like recording devices, weapons, just all normal stuff. And then as you go down the list, it's just like, um, uh, any archetypical items, ketchup bottle, rubber ducky. <laughs> and it's like, wait, what happened to the ketchup body- bottle and a rubber ducky? Like, like all of a sudden, like that one note completely spelled out what kind of tone and feel this whole game was going to have for me. And the rubber ducky comes back later. Yes, it's, it does. Yeah. It's like very weird, just, just objects... Like the refrigerator. There's a refrigerator with a big bug inside it, and a big like one-eyed bug. <laughs> yeah, there's a um, there's an entire section of the game where like once you kind of get into the headspace for this game, like you know there's character talking. It's like yeah, they had to cut that whole section off because of all the clocks, and it's just like oh shit, what happened with all the clocks? And that was my favorite one because yeah. like my favorite like just throwaway line. Because I was like, in any other game, they would have been like, ah, all the clocks, haha, what a quirky little joke. And then, but like, at that point, I was just like, oh man, there's going to be a lot of clocks, and they're going to be doing something weird. Yeah, and it's funny, because also like, 
oh, what, the guy that he's talking to is just like, wait, clocks? And then the first guy's like, no, man, you don't understand. It's a lot of clocks. <laughs> and there um, is a lot of clocks. And oh, you, yeah. can, you can blast through them with your dash, and they'll go flying everywhere, and it's amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, one thing I also did, like, is that a lot of the random FBC people that you meet are just kind of treating this like a normal day job. Like, on top of the, like... Oh, we haven't even mentioned Darling, who is Amazing. lead scientist. Lead scientist. It's all live action stuff um, with Darling, and it's one of the most fun performances I think I've ever seen in a game. I had a blast watching every video of Darling. That's um, the voice actor for Alan Wake, right? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. He. There is. I'm. I'm assuming you found the music video, right? Yes. Oh my god, the, the uh, like late in the game. I think it's like right before the last, not last boss battle, but like what they make to seem like the last boss battle. There's just this like super goofy '80s style like music video of this this guy who's been giving these like stuffy science uh, lectures on video before, and he's singing about how Jesse is dynamite, and then she she says to herself. Um, I'm imagining all this, right? Like she, she, she is imagining him, like praising her and like encouraging her. It's yeah. so good. It's really funny. Um, but like his performances are really quirky, um, kind of silly, tongue in cheek. I loved that whole section. Yeah, but you can tell he's also, having a lot of fun. Yeah. Then there's also parts where, you know, people are just like, like there's one guy that's just like, yeah, you know, I used to work at the post office and now I work here because there's better health benefits. <laughs> like, um, there are people that are just very much like, oh, this is just a normal nine to five day job, despite how strange the whole place is, which I loved. Yeah, I like that a lot. And they're just kind of worn down by it at this point, And they're just like super chill, even though they're being invaded by these like extra dimensional beings. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're just like, oh, god damn it. Like, Not again. <laughs> um, but is there, was there anything else you wanted to kind of go over? The The only other one was um, kind of ties into a conversation I had with Jeff, who was also playing the game. Um, and it's not really it's not really a side thing. Uh, it's pretty much along the main path. Um, there's a point where you're kind of uncovering what happened with, to Jesse and Dylan and this slide projector that was an altered object is it an altered object or an object of power object of power okay it was an object of power um yeah the difference between altered object and object of power is unclear like thankfully you actually are able to ask one of the npcs at one point yeah i it seems to be based on like how you use it um like i think altered objects kind of act more on their own they're kind of more like freewheeling uh and objects of power can be like harnessed more seems like yeah basically the main distinction is that objects of power can affect a larger area Mm -hmm. and um periutilians can gain abilities from objects of power yeah um so you're going along um uncovering what happened with jesse and dylan in this slide projector um and you're picking up like all these uh witness testimony documents um and one of them just like you get them kind of out of order, so you kind of get mm-hmm. the end of the story first, and it just like throws this huge curveball um, 
where it says uh, Tom, this bully who was like beating up um, Nosebleed Neil, one of their friends, uh, it said Tom and his troglodytes were using the Sled Hill Cave as their headquarters. That's where the projector was. They'd been using the temple slide. We called it that, but really it was a broken concrete thing, like a warehouse or a bomb shelter or something. Very dark. The not mother lived there with her babies, children, I don't know. She was feeding Tom and the others her milk. They were changing into little monsters. We called them dung monkeys. And it's just this, like, it's just, like, a super chill kind of, like, yeah. There was this thing called the not mother. It was a monster. It was feeding these <laughs> kids its milk, and they were turning into these, like, weird little creatures. Like, yeah. I saw that when I was a kid. Um, and then, and, like, they also mentioned, like, one of their friends turned into a dog. Like, yeah, Nosebleed Neil turns into this yeah. weird dog thing yeah um it and what jeff said to me is um he he went to see it chapter two and someone explained to him the wonders of the stephen king uh universe and like how <laughs> there's all these weird connections and stuff and uh, the the alan wake stuff strikes me as like his style of world building of like not drawing connections that don't need to be drawn but like as you broaden the scope like naturally things just connect and then this this document feels like his kind of like the like kids on bikes going out and discovering something crazy and like they don't really know how to explain it his kind of like kind of like it almost um yeah like there's a lot of like stephen king influence uh lynch influence x-files influence throughout uh control (laughs) yeah which makes sense because like alan wake is very much a stephen king style author like he's modeled after him for sure yeah and i think that's going to do it for our talk on control um you can find me on twitter at maddie underscore gregoire you find justin at robo plato and you can find sdgc pretty much anywhere um twitter patreon spotify soundcloud uh at official sdgc um so i hope you enjoyed our little chat and um i hope you have a good day bye